Welcome to Tom Talks. I'm Heath Parker, and I'll be your host for the evening. Now, I know what you're thinking. Book two of Against the Aeon Throne isn't over yet, is it? And no, it isn't. But we decided to do Tom Talks a little more often so we can keep in touch and expand a little on our weekly intro subjects. Uh, While we're still doing our full cast Tom Talks episodes after each book, uh, for Tom Talks in between, it'll be me and Adam plus one or two rotating crew members. This time, Adam and I are joined by Aaron. I mean, Zach. Uh, how are we doing today, guys? All right, oh, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks, Thanks for having me. No, oh, of course. Honored to be here. Yeah, you should be honored, Zach. I am. Well, I am. You should be really honored. Thank that- you. <laughs> Thank you. That I chose you to shoot the shit with. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, it- I'm not honored. I, I feel dragged. Yeah, you yeah, have to be here. <laughs> we're, we're not worried about you. Got conned into it. Uh, I mean, you guys having a good day? Pretty yeah. good. Sunday. Sunday, like kind of rainy, chill day. You know, not like scary rain, just like regular rain that makes it nice and nappy. <laughs> not scary yeah. rain. Uh, there's such a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, having a nice Modelo, and uh, just before... Uh, recording, I listened to the whole new uh, Tyler Childers album. So okay, pretty solid, you know, new alt country record. You're really, you're really like leaning into that alt country. He is. Yeah, He's well, Sturgis Simpson a, a did hole. it, man. Not a whole, but a, a a journey. It's it's a burgeoning. Is that right? No, burgeoning. 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 Um, genre of music that's actually doing some really cool stuff. I mean, I, I no. I can't well, blame you for it's it. It's this kind of thing like where I hate contemporary like pop country so much that it's nice. It's like a breath of fresh air to see like something good done with the genre, something intellectual with yeah, any kind like, of meaning. It feels like the troubadour style of country is coming yeah, back a yeah, little bit. Yeah, exactly. And that, that new Tyler Childers album, it even has kind of that classical like Appalachian folk kind of feel to some of it. Nice. You know? Cool. I'll have um, to check it out. So I bring that up because uh, it's actually been a pretty big weekend music. I know uh, Zach's excited because Tool's entire discography just got put on Spotify. It did. It did. I, I would imagine you're excited about that. I mean, yeah, I've it's seen... like I've I've heard all of those albums like so much. Yeah, that... I mean, it's not like you don't possess those. Yeah, like you don't have CDs access. or yeah. digitally already. You yeah, know. yeah, I, I've, I've well, had I... Tool's music for years now, despite. Not having it on Spotify, it's more like Yay Tool for finally yeah, catching up to the modern time. age. You it's know, about like, time. Yeah. Well, yeah. judging by my Facebook feed, a lot of people are excited about it. Sure I am is. just because Spotify is super convenient. You know. Yeah. Um. But in in other musical news of the week, um, sad to say, Hal Prince died. Do you guys know who Hal Prince is? No. Mm, is that like one of the studio musicians? No. He is a legendary Broadway producer and director. Uh, he he produced and directed uh, Cabaret, Sweeney Todd, West Side Story, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, those are okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, mm. not I, landmark. I guess you could mark those as genre. achievements, you know, like, whatever. Um, but yeah, so he, I mean, he's kind of the, you know, crown prince of Broadway. He, he passed away at 91 years old, uh, this week. So I bring well, up well, all he that. he had a good run then, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did, you know, too soon, too soon. Yeah. Um, but I bring that up because, uh, a lot of the questions asked on the discord, 
um, concerned how STF uh, got its start, you know, like what, what, how this thing, how we got into this hobby. And believe it or not, I think music is kind of the seed that grew into this nerdy ass tree. Uh, many years ago when Adam still lived in Hattiesburg, uh, he was in a couple of local bands, one in particular that helped inspire a younger Heath and a younger Zach to start and play in their own band. And that's kind of how the three of us together, uh, that are, that are on the show currently, um, you know, became friends long before, uh, all these TTRPGs got thrown into the mix. I think before we even knew how much nerd each other were and perhaps even how nerdy ourselves were i think maybe we enabled each other to like open that door all the way a little bit uh and we certainly did connect initially through music i mean all of us played music at one point in hattiesburg and i mean the only reason why he says i inspired him is just because i'm the older one i've just been doing it you know <laughs> no, that's, that's not I mean, true yeah, no, we, we did used to go to the shows though we went to the no, shows yeah. me and zach went to a lot of shows where you guys played and like it was uh, at you know at 17 years old it was like mind-blowing like oh local cats can play you know progressive interesting music you know like well it, it, i think that's the thing is that chance fisher certainly had its own door open to like a little bit of nerdism and a little bit of mythology, you know, we definitely kind of had our own little, our own little slice of reality for sure, for better or worse, you know, like we definitely <laughs> created kind of our own little space, which attracted creative people, you know? And when you guys came onto the scene, you, you were kind of like chance Fisher went through this thing where all the people our age, graduated from college while we were not in college, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. um, they went on to become adults and move away and go like start actual lives. And so after the first four years of playing, we're like, Oh shit, we don't have an audience anymore. And then we also learned a lot during those four years and learned how to be more creative. And that's when you guys came along, uh, kind of in our second wave. And that's when we actually started writing like, what I think are, are better songs. You know, those first four years were very like fish and grateful dead influenced where we were just, we would just get out there and jam for 20 minutes just cause we thought we could, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you guys were fortunate to come in on when we actually started writing songs, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you guys were definitely kind of uh, the, like you would call yourselves a jam band. You know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. whereas, uh, we probably wouldn't have like then, like we probably were like, Oh no, oh, we're not a jam band, but like, but you, you know, fucking I, were. Yeah. Don't call like, us a jam yeah. band. Right. Right. But, but you know, older well, and wiser, that's definitely what we were. Well, know? that's the kind of thing. Oh, it's yeah. it's no, funny. Dude, no question. You guys were a jam band. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely like a fish inspired jam band. You right. Know? Right. Um, the, the funny thing is like when me and Zach were in, we we're in a band called roundhouse groove as well as, you know, like, I mean, we, we had to have a trial run at a, tool knockoff band when we were 16 pretty much but yeah, uh right but Good roundhouse groove though, like we weren't a jam band but we always made the joke like we're just a, a like a party band that jams you know yeah i think we, that's an accurate description of y'all too yeah i mean we were sure. much more like funk rock have a good time a little bit more chili pepper yeah influence than like you know Dave Matthews or Fish, you know? Yeah. Like, right. Definitely Some, leaning more into, like, the punk funk, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. somewhere between, like, Chili Peppers, like, Audio Slave, Rage Against the Machine kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. So, so that that is how uh, the three of us all got to know each other, is the Hattiesburg music scene, man. Yeah, that musical thread carries through us to this day. I mean, I think you can hear it sure. on our podcast. We certainly discuss music all the time. Zach and I butt heads and agree on music almost every day. You know, like almost, <laughs> we talk a lot about Almost every day, music. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that definitely, you know, it's just a foundational thing that allowed other nerdiness to manifest was kind of right. kind of the point I think you were coming to earlier. Um, because, like, the, us hanging out and, and becoming more familiar with each other, we became more openly nerdy. Because I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was always, like, a bit of a closet nerd for the longest time until really, like, when I started hanging out with you guys. And then eventually we did... Uh, our first run at a podcast was the the Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, there was an attempt. There was, I mean, with our good friend Dane. Yes, with the other original uh, STF host, Dane. Shout out to you, buddy. Hey, Dane. Daddy Dane. Now stop listening. <laughs> Go take care of that baby. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> 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 um, but, but yeah, I mean, that was our first like go at kind of nerd media, you know, was, uh, we, we, we all huddled in Dane's bedroom around a single microphone, not even a microphone, an iPhone. Oh, yeah. wow. It, it was yeah. so, the quality was so bad. It was terrible. Right. You but can't the discussions were good, you know, mm. or, or they were fun. They got at least better. fun. Yeah. yeah. They did get better. I, I think, I think our peak of that was our season six uh, analysis. That's that. I think that's when fair. we were doing season six, we were like the most hype and having the most fun. And season like, of hope was that season, the season of, hope? of hope? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, season Dude, of hope. Weren't we and also let down by <laughs> and this, and a summer immediately children, followed by the season of nope? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it was a, around that time. Oh. When we, when we were doing like the Game of Thrones thing that I was kind of uh, coming out of my nerd closet and just being, you know, coming to grips with the nerd that I was going to become. And I, I remember like kind of pestering some of the guys and being like, I've, I've, I've never played D&D. I've always heard about it, but it was always like a bridge too far. And maybe it's not a bridge too far. You know, I was like, I want to try this game. But I was like, well, who the fuck's going to run it? And Dane tried. Like, we did a couple of sessions well, of, like, 3.5 with Dane, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way that I remember it is that we all watched Harmon Quest yes. oh, one yeah, day, yeah, yeah. and then Dane came to us and was like, dudes, we have to we have to try some, some D&D. Now, to his credit, he had been mentioning it, I think, since seeing an episode of Community, right? When they did the mm, D&D yeah, on Community. D&D on yeah. Community, yeah. And then he'd been mentioning it like interest. And then, yes, we all watched Harmon Quest, I think, because we're all community fans. And we're like, oh, Dan Harmon's doing this yeah. funny animated show. Which, if you haven't seen that, guys, for real, go check it out. Definitely. It's great. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that certainly was the main catalyst that at least got everybody else into it, you know, ready to play. Yeah, and Dane was like, I want to do this. You know? Yeah, and then, you know, kind of once we – dipped our toe in a little bit we also started listening to like the adventure zone and Mm -hmm. i think there's an interesting progression of like from very like rules light kind of uh 
TTRPG media that we got into to the point that we are now where we're dealing with like Paizo products and doing a real play and listening to a lot of real plays and stuff, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it was interesting because it started with Harmon Quest, which is much more a comedy show than it is a, a playing D&D show. That's just like the yeah. premise, you know, and yeah, then same, pretty, they're pretty loose with the rules. Ab- absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really just to be able to animate funny scenes that and, they are playing Pathfinder. Yeah, on Harmon Quest. They are playing Dungeons Pathfinder. Yeah. They sure are. Yeah, that's true. And but then nobody also, ever talks about a role. Sorry, no one ever discusses a role. That's because the way they do it is the GM rolls everything. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. Anyway, we'll get into that. Well, later. but that's because it's it's much more like a comedian sitting around telling a story than it is actually yeah. wanting to play this game. You right. Know? Right. Um, and then the adventure zone, like I mentioned, is also like very rules light, you know, and, and that hooked several of us, like have listened to at least all of the balance arc and stuff like that. But then, you know, getting into like the GCP and, and doing our own, you know, podcasts and games and stuff, it just, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of remarking on that progression, I guess, that I find interesting. Well, Adam started well, recording our games at some mm-hmm. point along the way. About halfway through our main first game like our first big like full campaign where we had our original characters and like you know getting all of our dramatic epic fantasy mm-hmm. jollies out right you know we we did storm king's thunder which yes. is giants you know going to try to trying to war with each other to take over the world or whatever and um you know i dug into my storytelling on that pretty heavily I added a lot of my own stuff on it and everybody like we really did and, and i got to a point to where i was like well i mean we ha- i have the capability of recording this now we didn't have like great mics or anything like that but like i realized that i could record at least the main single <laughs> track of all of us on on the hangouts call right, right? i could get yeah. all that in one track and then i could edit it a little bit. I learned a little bit about editing with that and then would add music, but I was using like copyright music, so we couldn't do anything <laughs> with it, you know. But so we were really just doing it for it ourselves, was just for, you know. Uh, yeah, just yeah, for us and, to listen to. Yeah. But I think it was at that point that I was definitely getting in my mind this genesis of wanting to do a real play podcast. And we, right. I mean, we played Storm Kings for another six months after that, and we played many other games. And all that time, I was continuing to like learn how to actually record stuff and use Audacity and figure those kind of things out. I think which is pre- what prepared us for what we're doing now. Yeah, you know. So or at least my, me, you know. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, that it made a difference. Of, uh, yeah. No, it absolutely did. I mean, that's uh, practice makes perfect. You know. Yeah, I uh, honestly but- think that having that long is the reason that. Um, we didn't make more mistakes when we started. Mm-hmm. This well, it definitely this, helped us know, to feel through. comfortable. You know, like we had already well, been recording I mean, for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's so, what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think I think that's you know a monumental part of it. It's like I I feel I don't know how I would feel like recording the podcast, knowing it's like being put out to the world or whatever two and a half years ago. Oh God! Racked with anxiety <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Well, I am still, but that's <laughs> well, that's just you. Okay. I just know how to deal with it now. You know? <laughs> yeah. I just know how to process so, my anxiety. To, I just drink a lot. Bird. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that, that kind of all ties into one of the questions we got from uh, uh, on the Discord, uh, Inter Hobo. Um, Inter Hobo. What's up? Right? Shout thanks, out. Thanks, thanks up, for man? the engagement. Yeah. So uh, Inter Hobo said, uh, what game systems have y'all played over the years? A comparative discussion could be interesting. Also telling some tales of like great character deaths and and great character deaths is each one is capitalized you know um, uh, well that's kind of two separate subjects right yeah absolutely so the first question is what game systems have we played and i mean D 5e was all we played for a long time you know until you played yeah. like one session of 3.5 we did play one session of 3.5 and had no idea what we were doing You're right yeah <laughs> Uh, and but 5e is certainly the primary system that we have played, you yes. know, um, before Starfinder. It, you know, I don't know if this is exactly relevant, but several of the crew has played like World of War- Warcraft, we've played Destiny together, we've played Magic the Gathering together, so it wasn't like we were coming into this without the vocabulary of role playing games well yeah you know i well, played to be everquest fair, when i was like 12 years old so i mean mm, I, i've well, been waiting to do this forever well to mm. be fair the question wasn't what ttrpg game systems have you that's played? what i was saying yeah that's what i was saying just game systems that i think are relevant to role-playing those are these are some things that we have played had played around with to certain, you know, varying extents for each of us before we started playing Dungeons and Dragons, which I did think helped us kind of know already what kind of characters we wanted to build when we first got into Five. Oh yeah, you I know, mean, we'd already kind of established some things yeah. that we like. Yeah, I mean, you know? particularly World of Warcraft for that because, like, I already knew that I liked like paladins and druids and stuff from Warcraft. What's funny is I've I never played World of Warcraft. Um, but you know, I played a bunch of role playing games like on computer growing up. Well, you know, that's see the thing that that I thought was so awesome when I really first got into Five E was to realize how D anD D was like the granddaddy of all of these concepts that I take for granted as tropes in role playing games. Like that was the you know. The progenitor of it all, yeah. right? And it's just like this is this is it, you know. This is, of course, all of this makes sense. I get all of this. Of course, druids are like this, and of course, paladins are like this, and mm-hmm. rogues are sneaky and do sneak attacks and blah blah. blah you know, all, all of that. Um, Skyrim, right? Like, right. But mm-hmm. I guess that's got a fluid class system as opposed to like pick your starting class sort of thing, right? But yeah, you I kind of build in. upon it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's something that can kind of uh, get lost in the wash a little bit in the era of, like, kind of the, air quotes, edition wars, you know? Like, people arguing over which edition of 5e is better, or if or if Paizo or D&D is better, or whatever. Um, a lot of those arguments tend to take away from people who, like, even if they don't play D&D anymore, or have moved to Paizo or something... There's not a lot of opportunities in those conversations to acknowledge that, like, I mean, whatever you you care for now, D&D really is kind of that that landmark thing that formed a genre, you know? Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Pathfinder Paizo is an offshoot 
of 3.5, right? So, right. yeah. I mean, yeah. even they well, have I think, to I think we're, go, hey, yeah. Well. I, th- I think we're pretty mm-hmm. decidedly, like, not taking a side in the faction wars, you know? Like, I mean, it's just like, it's all love, baby, kind of thing. Like, we're playing Starfinder now, but we have to acknowledge our D&D roots. You know, so. yeah. Well, and we love Five E. I yeah. mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and be like Five E is for babies because that's the thing that, like, oh, you know, maybe that's a little <laughs> extreme, but that's kind of the general Little sense babies of, of that Five E is just like really easy and and like it's not that deep or complex. And like, I think that there's some pros and cons to Five E, and there's some reasons to not play it, but there's a lot of compelling reasons to play it, and it's it's also like solely responsible for bringing this game to the general public in a in an accepted way like it makes it my wife plays dungeons and dragons for christ's sakes because 5e is something that you can come into with no experience playing any role-playing games and pick up fairly easily as long as you're like with some people that understand it you know and even not i just think it's well-designed game it's super balanced it's like here's the comparison i think Okay. And we're talking back when like Apple was at its prime. 5e is like a Mac in that like you can't really get in there and tweak much of its settings. It's got all that kind of locked out, idiot proof, so you can't screw it up. You know, so you have a really clean experience using a MacBook because you can't get in there and screw with the nuts and bolts of it and, and screw yourself up. Whereas in Pathfinder is like a self put together PC where you've like got all these components in there that you've brought and you could easily like crash your system if you don't know what you're doing. But if you do know what you're doing, you're going to get a lot more horsepower and customization out of your computer because of the options that you have. Yeah. Does that seem I, I think that's that's a pretty pretty valiant effort, you know, a fair fair <laughs> attempt at a at a good comparison. I like it. Um yeah, I mean the the thing about 5e is that it's it's supremely accessible. You know, like it it really like like you said, uh we're li- you know, I've even addressed it in an intro before, like we're living in a brave new era for particularly TTRPG nerds. I mean, it wasn't 5 years ago that that's something you talked about in hushed whispers. You know, and now it's like on it's on TV shows, it's on community. I mean, there's Harmon Quest, there's the Adventure Zone, there's GCP, like all this stuff. Has, Stranger Things, right? Stranger Things, yeah. I mean, like this stuff has blown up and become okay. Like my coworkers know that I take Thursdays off to play D and D or Starfinder or whatever. You know, like and mm-hmm. they they joke about it, but it's not like like it's not a big deal. It doesn't fucking matter. And that's that's a pretty right. recent development, and it, that really is because of Five E. And I think it's interesting, you know, we've had all these like addition wars, hate back and forth between like Paizo people and D and D people or whatever fans, not creators. Yeah, I'd say Pathfinder <clears throat> people and D and D people because Paizo has been nothing but. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, not saying not. The, the, <laughs> the the creators of the game at all. They're they're very <laughs> diplomatic, but I think it's interesting with all that kind of uh, negativity that second edition is coming out and it's more streamlined and accessible you know it it is i i I do think that second edition strikes a nice balance though you know i think there's some there was some kind of early during the play test 
some complaints being leveraged against it that it was just them trying to do 5e you know and um i think i mean i could understand why some people might think that because it does clean up a lot of things it does it definitely learned from 5e there's you can see that influence on it for sure in the sense that it's the way that it's presented makes it accessible but it is still supremely customized customizable you know like it, it it still has all the all the ex- tons of feats and tons of spell choices and tons of class feats and ancestry feats and you know all these different things that that still feel very pathfindery to me you know in the sense that here's a bunch of different ways for you to build your character how you want rather than at level two all druids get wild shape you know what I mean at level two you can pick if you don't want to fuck with wild shape you don't have to do it. And at level two, you get something that's relevant to the character that you want to build, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think... To me... It, sorry. Uh, to me, it still seems like Pathfinder, or... Yeah, it's 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 fifth edition for Pathfinder fans, is how it seems to me. I do like the three-action system. I think that's a, a solid upgrade, Uh Overall, I think everything should do that. I wish we could just do that in Starfinder, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that yeah, I mean that's one of the the major like uh, ground level uh, differences, you know. It's like uh, if you haven't played two E listeners, um, basically with your three actions, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can attack three times, you can run three times. You'll just take penalties for doing the same thing over and over again. But you well, you, you like have the freedom the to penalties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the attack penalties is cool because in the Starfinder, if you choose to full attack, you get two attacks and you get the same like minus four penalty to each attack or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. In Pathfinder, the first attack you make on that turn is like full with your bonuses. And then the yeah. second attack, if you you can you can do three attacks, but the second has a small penalty and then the third one has a larger penalty. So you can realistically attack twice every turn and move or whatever uh, with less of a penalty than you could in Starfinder. Sure, sure. I think it... I like that you... Your first attack has always, no matter what, has still all your best chances to hit, you know? Mm -hmm, Right. and, And so the punishment doesn't come from just wanting to attack more. Who doesn't want to attack more? It just means you're next one is going to be a little delayed because you're trying to get another attack in six seconds. I, I think that's really cool too. I think that's the the biggest difference in terms of moment-to-moment gameplay versus um, Paizo's previous systems and also 5e. You know, I think, I think that the three-action system is the game-changer mm-hmm. honestly. I think that's the... I like the idea of um, your ancestry becoming more important to you as you level up too. I I think some people aren't too keen on the ancestry feats, but for me, I think it's a cool way to make your racial or ancestry choice relevant throughout your progression process. Like as, as you're developing as a character, like, I mean, you know, we like to role play our level ups and like, what, what does this actually mean for this particular character? It gives you this opportunity to kind of connect to your familial past or, or, or your heritage 
you know, so that means that like your elf isn't the same as my elf, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. I think that's a cool idea, you know, and it doesn't, it's not like you have to compete with other feet choices either. It's like at this level, you get something to do with your ancestry. That's specific to that rather than having to give up a meaningful feat somewhere, you know, combat feat or skill feat or something. Yeah. Well, I just like anytime you can, um, marry the, the mechanical aspect of the, of the system with a narrative aspect, whether it be your own personal story or how your character connects to the world at large or whatever, I I think that really, uh, richens the experience. Sure. I mean, but we have to talk about Starfinder, though, right? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) look, I still, I still, I I think that I prefer Starfinder to 5e or uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition just because of the setting. Yeah, I hear you, dude. The the sci-fi setting and and just Uh, the science fantasy of it, right? It's really cool, yeah. The the, the Star Wars versus Star Trek of Mm -hmm. something more traditionally sci-fi, right? Like... I like that there is magic, even though there's technology. Well, see, you know? mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think that's uh, part of what's so fun and, and kind of um, lends a lot of options to Starfinder. But, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that uh, just keeping tabs on the community. There's a lot of people that, you know, when Starfinder came out and people got a chance to play it, that, that are absolutely uh, would disagree with you that they wanted more hard science. They wanted less magic. They wanted it to be a more true science fiction kind of game. And that's, that's some of the uh, little bit of negativity I've seen in the reception. I mean, but I feel like, I feel like if that's the type of game you want to run, Starfinder still gives you the opportunity to do that. Like within the system, you just as a GM and talk to your players and like, okay, hey, we want to play a low magic game. Like you can do the same thing in any system. Like you can just strip away some of the magic. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you don't have to use all of it. Even with pre-written modules, you could still, you could strip away a lot of the magic out of Aeon Throne. In, in, There's not a whole lot of magic in Aeon. That's what I'm saying. You I mean, know, like, yeah, it's much more just like a a, a military kind of thing. Hmm. So, but I mean, I, I think that's kind of a a weird reason they gave us too much options to to choose from. Too many. Too I, many I, options. I hate that I even have the option to use magic. Gosh, this game sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, no matter what you do, <laughs> you're going to garner some haters. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just yeah, the nature of these systems. People like what they like, you know, I mean, whatever. I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying that's some of the backlash that they've received as people that wanted it to be more science fiction, less science fantasy. Well, I think mm-hmm. I can safely speak for the group in that we are all loving Starfinder as a system. I think we're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I know it, I am. it is definitely my favorite system. I am almost ready to decide on something gm in starfinder oh really, oh, really? yeah yeah that's I mean, exciting I, uh Do- donna flame baby of this yeah that's donna flame yeah, that's the one new, this is breaking, breaking news. news yeah I, t- I took a year off you know um so uh, i don't mean to interrupt you but that does segue well i wanted to talk about some of the previous games that we had played because we did bring up okay storm king's thunder um but both of you have run curse of Strahd. well i'm currently running it 
I I He's ran Curse of Strahd, yeah, with with you guys actually for and one of our know, other what it's worth, yeah, and one of our other friends. It's a three man um, party. It's a three man party. That's pretty rare, absolutely. But it, it was special. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I like to think that the blood, sweat, and tears that I poured into that Curse of Strahd campaign is what inspired both you, Adam, and Emily to run your own Curse of Strahd campaigns. I'm just saying. I mean, you're not wrong. You know, no, like you, you did great. I mean, you really got you know dug into the the atmosphere of mm-hmm. Curse of Strahd. You know, and and the thing is, like, there's three people in our you know uh, STF extended friend group that are running that game, and it is uh, I think both like objectively and in our opinions the best five E like pre written module, right? Absolutely. No question. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's absolutely the best 5e offering out there. If you haven't run Curse of Strahd and you want, it's a worth playing 5e, 5e module. Yeah, just for, for that. Just for Curse for, of Strahd. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. me, I'm biased. Like Bloodborne is one of my favorite games of all time. I love, you know, that gothic horror sort of vibe. So, um, I couldn't wait to run it when I found out about it. You know? Well, I think you know we have very different GM styles, but one of the, one of your strongest suits was was digging into the atmosphere. And Curse of Strahd is so dependent on atmosphere, and you were able to just generate that kind of like dread and paranoia that it requires, you know. And uh, yeah. I mean, to the point to where like. <laughs> we got into arguments, out, you know, not in character, like about what the <laughs> fuck this is, you know what I mean? Because it gets it gets like tough, you know, and you play well, it I, tough. I learned you know? I learned a lot about how to run that kind of thing and where to strike that balance as we mm. went because that was my first time gming, and I also, you know, atmosphere was important to me, and so I wanted to, I wanted to make you guys sweat, but I didn't know that there's a certain amount that you just have to give let's, your players. Let's talk about the party makeup first well, okay. of, well, of uh, your curse, right? B- before we, we get there, that? I just want to say, if if you haven't played Curse of Strahd, think Dracula, you know, all that, that gothic Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Dracula yeah, Strahd von Zarovich kind of is, is the Count Dracula. And we'll try our of- best to avoid spoilers here, but they're just I'm just going to put a, at least a minor spoiler warning out here. While we talk about Curse of Strahd, they're <laughs> Maybe a few things, but I yeah. we'll, we'll try to keep it spoiler free as possible. Okay. Uh, go ahead and say your character, Heath. So I, uh, I, I think it's pretty easy to gather that I normally play pretty martial characters. I'm, I'm big into melee, and with Curse of Strahd, we were intentionally trying to make a group of like monster hunters, and mm-hmm. I, I was the only. We were ca- like of like that was our. Premise. That was our jobs. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like that was our business. Yeah, you were, like, you we were, were professional monster hunters. Right. Yeah, um, we, we formed the mummy yeah. agency. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But I, uh, I was the only one of the three person party who wasn't specifically built as a monster hunter. Uh, but I kind right. of, I kind of took it. I, I took a twist on it because I was a druid who was like focused on being like a, a wild shape into a bear and be a tank kind of druid which was absolutely an influence from world of warcraft oh you no well, used to like druid tanking speaking back in the speaking day, of warcraft see i i do want to get to and i know we're already like got some time into this thing the my two like major like my favorite two D 5e characters are both 
directly inspired by my favorite World of Warcraft characters. Right. And yeah. and this one was a, a dwarf uh, druid named Scar, who, uh, yep, he had a big old scar and was missing an <laughs> eye. <clears throat> but yeah, he was a tank, but became a lot more than that because druids are such Swiss army knives, you know? Like, I, I, I feel like I'm not tooting my own horn when I say I put Zach in a lot of situations where he did not expect the solution that I was going to pull out. Oh, yeah, I know, man. Druids, you just never, you just yeah, never man. know what, never what know they're going to bring. Uh, absolutely. I still think that Scar was... M- is my favorite of your characters. He, well, I think Scar he's, he's definitely my favorite. Scar played a pretty big role in uh, whether or not you would realize it in influencing Titanium Mike. Um, both because his voice is the first one, because like Scar was Australian. Because I hate that right. dwarves are always Scottish. So, yeah. <laughs> so I made him. I made him a gruff, like Australian, very like to the point but friendly guy. And yeah. that kind of vocal timbre, you know, carried over into Titanium Mike, who is absolutely who is yeah. like gutter cockney. But I've heard people mention that like the Australian bleeds through. It definitely seeps through a little bit, and that's know. because I can't get Look, away from you playing. Spent Scar. a year, yeah, playing Scar right and, and doing the Australian voice. So yeah, I can't do British anymore because of the like the Eastern European voice that I because you're Barovian worked on yeah. for for Barovian, yeah, which yeah. paid yeah. off though yeah. because your stride was amazing. Thank you. I yeah, I was, I spent was, a lot of time. Good working on Strahd and like finding yeah I had a lot of bad ideas for my Strahd voice before I have one that I like you know but I honestly I used some of that lower register in my voice for Oren as well which I Mm -hmm. started playing with so yeah I mean that's the thing about playing the more you play these games the more you're going to take little bits of things that you learn from one character or one campaign into another. Well, that's mm-hmm. that is specifically why I wanted to bring up some of our older games and characters is to see how those threads went through. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In that vein, what what did you play, Adam? Uh, my character was a elven, no half elven mm-hmm. r- ranger named Tom Caldwell, <laughs> and uh, he. W- I basically built him up. To be kind of a witch hunter Van Helsing type right. character, you know, he wore he wore the the hat and had the crossbow and everything like that, and he was a very brooding Dexter influenced character. He had this past where he had this urge to kill, but he's channeled it into killing monsters instead of people, uh, all that kind of thing. Try, I tried really hard to play the Edge Lord without. <laughs> Fucking it up, and then I, you know, I think I probably got about a B minus on that. We'll, uh, we'll call it that. <laughs> um, but I, but I will say that the struggles with that did add, even if even if in the moment they were frustrating, the struggles with Tom and who he was was a big part of the overall story of our Curse of Stride. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, it was Tom's story. At, and it yeah. and it was only for what it's worth, Zach. It was only me trying to engage fully in your atmosphere of dread. And Tom yeah. was somebody who shit got to Tom. You know, he was like right. emotionally susceptible to the particular dread that was put upon him by Zach slash Stride. You know, <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I learned a lot playing that character too. You know, I think that edgelords can be played, but it takes a lot of work to still be a functional part of the party mm-hmm. as a player, you know, and that Definitely. was some of the things that we ran up against. Yeah, I think um, being, you know. being antagonistic to the point of derailing the um the narrative is the thing to is is the main thing to avoid right right like sometimes you have to just you gotta i don't know go with it when you Mm. even when you think your character like oh they wouldn't do this well fuck it's what has to be done i think uh in particular like playing an an edgier like edgelord kind of character uh Adam used the term functional. I think it's the beginning of that word. It's the fun part that you really Mm. struggle (laughs) with, you know, because like you want to be true to your character and you want to embody their struggles and their angst and all that stuff. But you want to balance that with like still having a good time playing the game, you know, and Mm -hmm. like that, that kind of archetype does make that a bit more of a challenge. Yeah, it it can be tricky. Yeah, you got to You got to throw the needle. You really do. So you want to do it right. I think much in the way that we said D and D is is the granddaddy of of the you know TTRPG genre for Southern tomfoolery. Uh, we mentioned Storm King's Thunder, and I think that's kind of the granddaddy of all of our TTRPG exploits. And uh, we wouldn't be doing ourselves a favor in this episode of Tom Talks if we didn't talk about Storm King's Thunder and you know some of the this, characters there. This therein. is the big show, right? This is the big show. This mm-hmm. is the main one. Yeah, yeah. We spent what over two years on that campaign. Yeah, it's the thing yeah. we would have podcasted first if we knew what we were doing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. It had the most. Like, I mean, Curse of Strahd definitely had some developed characters, but I think uh, Storm King's Thunder had the most like personal mythos attached to it. You know, and like all definitely. the characters that that you all were playing, like there was a lot of yourselves in them and there was a lot of us figuring ourselves out as friends and people during that time that was like kind of projected into that game and so there was a lot wrapped up in storm king's thunder you know and it was i i had a lot of pressure on myself to like deliver a meaningful story for you guys over two years you know (laughs) yeah it's a, a no no small ask you know yeah well and to to play the metaphor game as adam is so fond of I think, you know, if you're, if you're comparing kind of Curse of Strahd to Storm King's Thunder, Curse of Strahd is like a really well-developed single gothic horror novel, you know? And Curse uh, Storm King's Thunder feels a lot more akin to like an epic fantasy series a la, you know, Stormlight Archives or something like that. It's a lot more uh, hopeful, action-high fantasy, but it's also a lot more open-world sandboxy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that gave us time to grow those characters. Oh, you know, uh, simply the time given forced us to, to develop characters longer and longer and have more changes therein. Well, some of the things that we do in, you know, Southern tomfoolery plays in our, against the Iron Throne cast is, yeah, comes directly for some things that we learned about playing during Storm King. So like the idea of flashbacks and stuff doing that, you know, I'm certainly GCP does those and, and all that. But honestly, 
the idea of flashbacking and doing like cutaway scenes for me was m- much more inspired by Lost, which I mentioned on the Discord a few times that it's like one of my favorite shows of all time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, well like that narrative storytelling and like Stephen King style, like doing these little vignettes in the middle of the main story is something I've wanted to incorporate into the Storm Kings, you know? And, and I kind of, I feel like learned how to do that properly through some things there. I did, you know, of course I made some mistakes, but I did some cool things, learned some things that, and then like, I think y'all as players learned how to play your characters as a group rather than each trying to play their own story, each trying to play their own game. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I think that's a challenge when you first get into these games is how to do that, right? How to, how to be a part of a group um, working towards a common end, as opposed to just trying to live out your own power fantasy or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and especially like a a player like me who, you know, I, I end up always making at least like five or six page backstories for every character I make. Like I, I really enjoy crafting a big fuck story about whatever character I'm playing. But inevitably that causes the problem that we're talking about now where I get in the game and I'm like, oh, well, this ain't about me, you know, like, ha- you know, that balance is tough when you, when you've put that much time into a story only to <clears throat> not necessarily realize, but but come to grips with the fact that like, okay, well, this is going to have to be parsed out piecemeal over time. You know, like you're you're not here to like show up day one and here is my six page backstory. I want everyone right. to know everything that I have ever done. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't just show up at the table because no one's going to really uh, commit all of that to memory. If you show up no, no, absolutely day not. one and say and, and give your whole character's backstory, like they need to see your character in the present now, what kind of person they are as you develop that character and then well, are informed about why through scenes from the past. You know? Yeah, well, it's that classic like show that don't format. tell, you know? Well, and I yeah. think it's also important to leave some vagueness in your backstory so that when you play the actual game, what's happening in the game, you can like kind of retroactively make your backstory become relevant to the main story. If you leave some Mm -hmm. room there, you know, have some like key things that are, that make up who you are and inform who you are when you start the adventure. But like, I think if you leave some room for some things to either change or you just have some things undefined, then you can, that allows you to then use the adventure you're playing to fill that out. You know, and and tie you more directly into the story, and that'll be some things that you don't know about as we go into it because you don't know what the story is going to be. But if you're open to like not having everything so defined before you start, I don't think there's anything wrong with retroactively fitting something that happened in the past to be relevant to what you're experiencing in the present, which is again directly a result of my love for lost because that's yeah. what they did so well. That's what they <laughs> right. did so well. That they was did. the whole purpose they of the did, flashbacks yeah. is like, and that's how they wrote it too. They, if you, if any of you are still under the assumption that the lost writers had a organized chart of what the story was going to be from day one, I watched the finale, which I love, but I will say the finale proves that they didn't. 
That being said, Absolutely, like yeah. they that they left this room for their characters to like, okay, oh well, the character's going through this on the island or the adventure, so to speak. Well, we can there's this space in their backstory that makes sense to their backstory that we can emotionally tie together so you have this much more weighted relevance of the current action, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think as a player, the, the best way to, to go with the flow of that kind of thing for me, at least has always been, uh, have your, have your big backstory, you know, like that's fine, but fucking give it to your GM and have an, an implicit understanding that you guys are going to work together and change this as time goes on. You know, mm-hmm. like that's always been the case. Like with, with or or be willing to bend on aspects of your backstory to help it tie into that that narrative. Yeah, you know absolutely. Right. Because it could be that yeah. your GM already knows, you know, the scope of the narrative and already has something, but it might not come up till way later. And so, right, you know, just be willing to flex on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you guys should talk quickly about your characters from Sword Kings before we go on yeah that's exactly what i was gonna bring up and unfortunately adam he was on the way adam didn't uh you know get to play a character because he was gming or rather he played <laughs> a thousand characters briefly yeah, yeah a lot of them yeah. um so uh going first uh <clears throat> you get the listener will only have experience with me in starfinder if you had listened to all of the other games I'd play had played, you'd uh, come to realize that not only do I frequently play animalistic characters, but reptilian characters. <laughs> so my first like major D and D character that I I loved and is still probably my favorite, although not the best executed character, uh, was a dragonborn. Which is they don't have dragonborn; they have lizard folk. In, mm-hmm. in Paizo products, which is one of my minor tiffs. I'm like, I want fucking Dragonborn. But I played a, a Dragonborn fighter who was an, an Eldritch Knight, which ended up being supremely relevant without us even realizing it, uh, which is basically a fighter who has some wizard training. So he can, he can cast some spells. But through the course of the thing, he died, was resurrected, and became a paladin. Well, yeah, what was your favorite moment? From Alamar with Alamar, probably dying and coming back resurrected as a paladin. You want to just briefly tell how you died? <laughs> well, uh, so I always do this thing in our games. I, 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 I have a best friend. Like one of the players ends up being or starts as my best friend, my character's best friend. Like I mean, I've got Zeno and and Mike are best friends in this one. So, uh, uh, Josh, who plays Fell. He was playing a cleric who became Alamar's best friend, like like blood brother, pretty much. And Alamar went down a, a, a dark, eldritchy path and had to be put down by his best friend uh, and then was resurrected by said cleric best friend's deity. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Y'all should have been there. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to sum up the events of Storm King's Thunder in a snippet. Right. But uh, that was my first... It was a pretty epic moment, though, for sure. It really was. That was my first reptile character, and Titanium Mike is my third, I think. Because I played a a a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. You did play a turtle. Yeah, there's Tomb of Annihilation. That's what we're currently playing. But anyway, Zach, what was your character? 
my character was a wood elf druid named Kaz Yar, which is just an anagram of my name, Zachary, because that's how creative I was <laughs> when we first started playing. And I just like, I can't think of a name. Yeah, I'll just make an anagram of my name. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I really, really enjoyed the druid as a class and playing it over the course of two years. Um, well, I think Kaz has been really influential in every other character you've ever played, like to some degree, like at least personality wise, or even just the fact that you like druids, you try to be a little bit druidy in most things that you do, it seems. I guess, I guess so. I really just enjoyed. I mean, druid you did pick the mystic, class. you know, which is. Uh, well, I know, yeah. But he didn't straight up play the Xeno druid. I did. I, I knew that I didn't want to be the Xeno Druid. I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted something a little different, flavor wise. And I, and so far, I'm really enjoying Star Shaman. But um, I think my favorite moment was when Kaz cured uh, Thryn, who is John's um, dwarf barbarian, of his drug addiction. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was like addicted was, like, to like. Fantasy ecstasy, pretty much. Yeah, when we have uh, John on, we'll have him tell that full story. Yeah, but uh, but that was a great moment. That was a, that was a huge moment when you used and great, it like, and it threw me off so much. Right. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like I had this whole story arc for John's character to deal with addiction uh, of this, you know, fantasy ecstasy, as Heath said, and. uh out of nowhere, Zach as Kaz just like boop drops greater restoration on him, and I, we just ruled by the text, you know, as written <laughs> that he was like pretty much cured of his addiction, and uh, I had to throw all that out, but I rewrote a good bit of it and put it on to Zach's character because I was right. like, all right, yeah. all right. You well then you're gonna do, you're gonna deal because with I all those darkness. I undid yeah. weeks of planning, yeah. <laughs> uh and I and Kaz ended up getting some sort of um eldritch horror uh, mm-hmm. attached it to to himself in some A very venom inspired very venom inspired symbiote sort of way. Yeah. Uh yeah, that sucked. That was that was <laughs> tough having like this eldritch god in your ear trying to convince you to go chaotic evil or whatever. It's Yeah. It's interesting. It was fun. That was my first attempt at um crafting you know, like homebrewing my own magical items and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. I had some fun suit powers while it lasted. <laughs> but anyway, a tomb of annihilation, right? That's the other five E campaign that we spent a lot of time on. Yeah. 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 We yeah. definitely did. And I, I played two monks <laughs> in that two different monks. Uh, Just wanted to play a monk. Yeah. Well, there's no Starfinder yeah. monks or I probably would have played one. <laughs> there isn't a Starfinder. See, that's one. Of the, we can talk about this if you want. But one of the things that I have as a critique of Starfinder's system is the lack of diversity in the classes. Right? I think, like racially speaking or whatever, there's so many things you can make. Like it is ridiculous the amount of insane otherworldly creatures that you can craft and play as in Starfinder. But then you can only have like what eight classes? So far, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah, there's I, three coming out soon, but yeah, I hear you. I, I do feel that a little bit too. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I 
definitely bitched about that a time or two. I guess supposedly you can like grandfather in Pathfinder classes in some mm. way, right? Yeah, I think so. And there are archetypes that you can take that replace class features that might be that might open up some Sim- choices yeah, there. Similar channels. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Anyway. Yeah. I are mean, we, are we going to talk about our characters? We don't have to. I no, mean, I think I think you know, Curse and and Storm King's Thunder are kind of the big ones. You know, I mean, Tomb. Not, yeah, Tomb. Not to Tomb is our Tomb. character. Well, Tomb is just our character masher. You know, where it's yeah. designed to kill characters quickly. And I think we can talk a little bit more about Tomb. And I think we have a listener question coming up that would probably. Well, let's get to the let's get to the questions. I think that's you know the, the hold on now. Because I think we're we're pretty much at the end of this thing, and uh, I had like three. I can't even really call them questions because some of them were just comments, and I think we've pretty much already satisfied most of them. But we did have we had a comment from Overplus on the Discord, and it's not a question; it's just a comment. It's personally, I am a sucker for hearing about cool stories from past games or off mic games. I think we've probably already satisfied that to some degree. And Dubious Yak said, if you're focusing on uh, your past games, I'm interested in what character from previous games you all would love to play in Starfinder and what characters you never would. Interesting. That's a good question. So, I mean, I don't... Who asked that? Say what? Who asked that? Dubious Yak. Dubious Yak, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. I would play Kaz as a Xenodruid. I would not play... Um, Tucker, who was my uh, half elf bard, who was a country music superstar, in I would tomb. not entomb. Right, I would. I would not take him to uh, space as uh, an envoy. I suppose. No, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do it. But I would absolutely play Kaz as a Xenotruid. Yeah. About you, Heath. Up. Um, I don't know. That's like that's a hard question for me, just because it's like conversion and all that stuff. I mean, I I really like Titanium Mike, and I think he's suited for this universe. Uh, Alamar is like one of my favorite characters, my Dragonborn Paladin, former fighter. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing him or whatever. I think he's a little too righteous to deal with the party, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, particularly the Epic Tracer crew. You guys are yeah. pretty morally scrupulous. Yeah, well, and Alamar times, was like you know? lawful good, like true lawful good, even though he fell yeah. down a dark path, but he was redeemed. Some might say lawful stupid even. <laughs> some might say that, and some might be a little overly harsh. Um, Scar, if Scar there. could be a druid, like I would play. If, if Scar in his like... All the glory of while he was like playing in Curse, if I could just have him straight up. I think Scar's personality in Starfinder would make a good mechanic. Oh, fuck that. I think he would, dude. Think about a little exocortex mechanic. You just need to be an ascended bear. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. That'd be cool, too. Um, just be an ascended bear. I would not take Tom into no. space. Tom um, couldn't handle the horrors of space. I, I mean. would take my. Heath for a while is is was I don't know running um, tales from the yawning portal and my character in that was like a tabaxi which is a cat person uh, bard I would definitely take stiletto note, stiletto note as an envoy into space she would love it she would absolutely love space exploration I mean I think maybe Narcissa my stoner ass 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yeah. He could just hang out with Weldy. Yeah, he, that's the I thing. Think, is I think he Nar- just wouldn't get Narciso, anything done. I think Narciso was a little bit of a catalyst for Weldy in a way. I think <laughs> maybe so. He definitely, definitely into the same. He definitely taps into the same like ribbon in time and space, man. Yeah, well, yeah. his whole thing, he was a, he was a drunken master monk, but I decided I, I was tired of you know the the drunken master thing can get a little tired as an archetype. So I was like, nah, his thing is weed. <laughs> like he's just a pothead just, drunken master. Yeah, we just reflavored all the drunkenness to stonerness, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But anyways, I mean that's. I think we're about about done, guys. Good Tom talks. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Um, I appreciate uh, Zach coming. Adam, you have to be here. I think there's a there's one question though that didn't get answered, and it's a question that I wanted to hear from you guys. Okay. Well, go for it. Uh. Well, it was the one um about deaths, right? Favorite deaths. Oh. I didn't it, finish in her hobo's question. Oh well, I did talk about. One of my characters dying. Your favorite death was Alamar yeah. dying. Yeah. But that wasn't a true death, right? Well, then I don't have one. You, none of your characters have <laughs> died by the dice? No. You know what? I don't think... Yeah, we'll have to answer that question when we get different guests on here. Because I've been unable to actually kill John, Josh, or Emily. We'll have to be on this one. To, he hasn't killed us to yet. answer that yeah, question. Yeah, he hasn't killed me or Zach oh, yeah. yet. Not proper. We we had like death events that were orchestrated because they were narratively impactful, but we knew that character right. was going to be resurrected. <laughs> all right, now you can wrap it up. Yeah. My bad. All right. So, uh, anyways, thanks for coming, Zach. Adam, you uh, don't have any choice. Yeah. Um, we're gonna as yeah. I, as I mentioned, we'll we'll be doing this uh, a little more often, and we'll rotate. Uh, cast members in and out, uh, you know, just depending on content. So, it, I mean, give us feedback too. How often do you do y'all want to hear us talk about whatever? <laughs> Ramble on. Yeah, for now, I, yeah. I mean, you know? I think I think we 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 did touch on some general advice and topics for people who may be starting their own campaigns or anything, something like that, or wanting some insight yeah. into our process. But um, yeah, well, I don't know as always, how we much appreciate of what we've said has yeah. been interesting to those of you listening. So thank you for making it this far, if you have. Yeah, well, and, and one of the things kind of kind of bantered about a little bit, not necessarily as directly of Tom Talks, is like kind of how to, you know, how do you get into this thing? How did we get into it for those who may be lurking or listening, you know, that, that they don't really know how to get into this hobby. And, and all I would say is, like, let your freak flag fly, man. Like, I was a closet nerd for way too long, and I'm way happier outside of that closet. I'd also say don't be intimidated by the big rule books. They're fine. They're designed for you to learn. Learn bit by bit. We still look up rules for, for 5e. We definitely look up rules for Starfinder while we're playing. It's okay. You don't have to memorize everything just get in there and make a character and have fun you know get in there and do it that would be my advice is don't be afraid of it because it has a big book of rules you can figure it out all yeah, right well i concur that that concludes tom talks our this is our second one right mm-hmm. all yeah. right yeah so thanks for being with us if you've listened uh and we'll see you next time bye we'll see you we'll fucking see you We'll, we'll see you. <laughs> <laughs>